This is the City of God podcast, where Christ meets culture. Welcome to the City of God podcast, where we are weekly talking about today's biggest cultural issues, all through the lens of God's infallible word. My name is Rob Pacienza, and I am excited about today's episode because we will be interviewing my good friend, Alex McFarlane. Alex is a, an apologist. He's an author, an evangelist, and speaks all around the world defending the faith. He is also the co-host of Exploring the World on America Family Radio. We had an opportunity to sit down with Alex recently at the Family Research Council's annual conference called Pray, Vote, Stand in Washington, D.C. We had an opportunity to talk about a number of issues of gender and sexuality, the battle over biblical truth, and also talked about the younger generation leaving the Christian faith. And lastly, why it's important for Christians to be a part of of God's work in their local church. So without further ado, here is the City of God interview with Alex McFarland. Alex McFarland, thank you so much for joining us on the City of God podcast. We are recording at the Prevote Stand Summit in Washington, D.C., put on by FRC. What's your thoughts on the summit so far? Oh, it's been great so far. Uh, you know, first of all, thank you for having me on. This of course. is a great honor. I respect you so much, appreciate your ministry. Um, the background, the ambient noise, there are several thousand people here from all over America. and. Um, this is a good event because it's, it's a seminar, I think, to get people engaged in our country, encourage people to vote. But uh, I believe this is a, a conference promoting the biblical worldview. All the speakers I've heard have talked about not only how the, the Bible influenced America, but how a Christian worldview really is the hope for a civil society and success, stability, prosperity. So I'm excited because I feel like I'm sort of at an apologetics conference. Yeah, and you you have spent your career defending the faith and equipping others and challenging others to defend the faith. And when you look out with that Christian worldview, one of the things you're always challenging people with is to see the lies of our culture. Uh, what, what are the lies of, of our current age? And I mean, there's so many that we could unpack here uh, on the City of God podcast. But in your opinion, what is one of the most important cultural lies that we need to expose as the people of God right now? Well, uh, there, there are lies about America. There are lies about Christianity. There are lies about our identity as human beings. And a lot of people, a lot of young people believe that America was just founded as this um, militantly autonomous, do whatever you want, no rules, no boundaries. When uh, we're not a democracy, we're a representative republic. I mean, that's a whole show we could talk about. But uh, lies that Christianity is hateful and intolerant, lies that Christianity and the Bible were crafted just to control people. But then as human beings, individuals, and this is where the lies are so detrimental and in fact toxic. And I know because I talk with a lot of young people, um, my life has no meaning. Uh, I really have no hope. Just, uh, you know, party, um, harm myself. Just uh, people emotionally implode because uh, two ends, nihilism and narcissism. Um, nihilism is a Latin word for nothingness. 
There's just nothing that I have hope in. That's a, that's a lie. But then narcissism, that the pathway to happiness is to feed myself. It's all about me. Um, these are lies. Uh, I believe they're lies from Satan, and I believe they're lies that destroy. But the good news is people are still open to truth, and that truth is rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that truth is very liberating and restorative when people build their life on truth. And what, what's so encouraging in you as a, one of America's great pastors, you know this, when people begin to open up to the truth of God and the truth of the gospel, the change and the, the positive repercussions are almost instantaneous, aren't they? Absolutely, absolutely. And so let's talk about the, the lie that is uh, really just taking over the next generation. And we're seeing the numbers, record number of youth leaving the faith, walking away from the faith. Um, what, what can the church do about that? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, churches anywhere, urban, rural, big church, small church, a well-funded church, or a church with no budget. Every church and every Christian can be involved in the lives of people. And, and I have found that evangelizing and discipling millennials, Gen Z, and younger um, is spelled T-I-M-E. And we all love big things and like mass outreach, and that's great. But uh, more and more, uh, because I think we're kind of a, they used to say we're a post-Christian culture. I think we're a pre-Christian culture in many ways. But one-on-one uh, -on -one relationship building. Um, a relationship uh, psychologists tell us that a reciprocal relationship, reciprocity, means there's give and take. There, uh, I, I listen, I talk. Uh, I hear from you, you hear from me. There's got to be trust, honesty, respect. And it takes time to nurture those. And, and I would just encourage people, if, first of all, if you're a believer, you are on mission for God. Every born-again believer. And they might say, of course, you know, Pastor Rob is a minister. Every born-again believer is a minister of the gospel. And there are people all around that want to know somebody cares about them. Yeah. Now, we need to get to the point where we share the overt truth of the gospel. And the second part of my answer is this. Um, what can churches do about the attrition rate? Uh, get involved in the lives of people. Be friends with people that are far from Christ. Yeah. But the second thing is make the Word of God your authority. Wow. People are hungry for truth. The, the lost world does not need B-grade motivational speakers. The lost world needs to hear what thus saith the, the Lord. Lord. Amen. And, and, and one of the lies the youth of uh, America in the North American church are buying into is Christianity is oppressive, it's archaic, and I'm leaving the faith because I want to be more loving and tolerant. I, explain to our audience how backwards that thinking is. Well, wherever God has been absent, uh, love and tolerance have not been the characteristics of the culture. I mean, from uh, in Tiananmen Square, tanks running over Methodist Christians uh, 30 years ago, to, uh, you know, Mao's China, to the, the despotic, atheistic regimes throughout history. Uh, when Christianity is gone into that vacuum, comes very dark things that you would expect from the lives of fallen sinners. Um, love and tolerance and respect and benevolence 
these flow wherever Christianity is gone. Um, Pastor, it's been my privilege to do outreach in a lot of developing nations. And whenever I'm in South America or in Africa or Haiti or developing nations, impoverished countries, it's, it's a funny thing. Whenever I find a well or a school or a hospital or the betterment of the human condition, it's always put there by Compassion International, Samaritan's Purse, World Help, World Vision, uh, Baptist Men on Mission. Um, I've yet to go into the interior of Africa and find a well that was dug by American atheists or people united for the separation of church and state or the ACLU. Why is it? Show me anywhere in the world that a cup of cold water is given in, in Jesus' name. It's not the secularist. It's not the atheist. It's not the libertines that do this. It's the Christians of every strata because I know when I honor you, I'm honoring the one whose image you bear. Amen, amen. I tell people everywhere that it is not opinion, but it is fact. The societies that have embraced a Christian worldview, those societies have flourished historically. Yeah. And, and where the worldview has been rejected or has not been foundational, those societies have floundered and resulted in chaos. So I exactly. appreciate your perspective on that. Uh, it, no doubt, we are living in an age of gender confusion. Um, and it uh, is just taking over the next generation. Um, how do we speak the truth in love uh, to the next generation to convince them that God's design for gender and sexuality is actually the best design and actually the pathway to human flourishing and get them to reject uh, the assault on God's design for gender and sexuality in this cultural moment? Great question. Uh, maybe one of the most important questions that you and I can discuss. Uh, gender confusion, gender dysphoria, uh, and same-sex attraction, uh, I believe is an absolute uh, outflow of the breakdown of the family. I think there's a direct correlation between uh, the rise of transgenderism and the rise of the LGBTQ trans, the ever-lengthening acronym for uh, sexual deviancy. It, it's a result of the breakdown of the family. Now, psychologists will tell us that there, there are roughly two dozen what are called antecedent factors or contributing factors. And I'm going to give you just the top four. Lack of bonding with the parent of the same sex, early childhood molestation, early childhood exposure to pornography, or other early childhood trauma domestic violence, substance abuse, verbal abuse. Here's the thing, um, people that are confused about their gender, people that have same-sex ideation or any number of uh, addictions to sexual fetishism, uh, these things are the result of children being raised without that stable sanctuary that we call the home. The vast majority of kids born do not grow up under the same roof with their biological mother and father. Um, by the time they reach 18, very few kids actually have what you and I would have thought of as a loving, nurturing, godly home. And so the rise of sexual deviancy has happened because of the breakdown of the family. But then paralleled in the culture, in pop media and academics, there has been the affirmation of these things. Now, 
uh, what do we do about it? We, we've got to help people understand that the inner turmoil, the, the, the not being at peace with oneself, I mean, that, that's the primary area of peace that Jesus can give. And we all struggle with it. Yeah, we do. Homosexuals and heterosexuals struggle with identity. We do. But, we, but the Christian finds their identity and their hope in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, the Bible says we are complete in Christ and have need of nothing. Yeah. Um, Ephesians and Colossians talk about our completeness in Jesus, who is the head of the church. And so it's a blessing to have peace with God. It's a great blessing to have peace with yourself. And so... Uh, one of the most disastrous things is, I just read a study last night prepping for our conversation that um, in the older mainline Protestant denominations, uh, nearly three-fourths of clergy affirm LGBTQ trans perspectives. When we know gender... That's shocking, but I, I, I shouldn't be surprised. And, you know, among the laity, it's the inverse. Three-fourths do not believe it's true. Um, uh, we're, we're living in a culture that in many ways reminds me of Judges 5.8. Speaking of ancient Israel, Judges 5.8 says when they chose new gods, there was chaos within the gates. Yep. Little g. Uh, we have abandoned God and truth and we have chaos within our gates. Yeah, no doubt. Um, our ministry have, at D. James Kennedy Ministries several years ago uh, was labeled a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, um, me too. Yeah, you too, okay. That's All right, yeah, exactly. Um, but I think I, the, the deeper conversation is uh, we have redefined hate in our, in our culture and in our society. Uh, Christians have been labeled bigots. Um, talk to us a little bit about how we have allowed society to redefine the word hate and how Christians, unfortunately, have kind of allowed uh, the seculars of society to kind of get away with labeling us bigots, oppressors, and hate, you know, the people that promote hate speech and a hateful agenda. You know, when the internet first came out and there were chat rooms and forums, uh, there was what they called the, the, the Nazi card. In other words, if, if we respectfully disagree very quickly, the conversation would degenerate into a pejorative attack and people would call each other Nazis. And nowadays, um, look, the secular world that doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in moral truth, doesn't believe in the inherent humanity of each individual, um, the, all they've got are ad hominem attacks. They cannot refute our content. So they, they simply go to the lowest common denominator and say, you're hateful. You're not, you're a Nazi, you know, you're misogynistic, whatever. So we are labeled hate groups, not because we're hateful, because Christians aren't. Like I said earlier, you know, in the spirit of Matthew 25, we give a cup of cold water in Jesus's name, but they disagree with truth. I mean, believe it or not, um, when those, they'll say, how dare you say Christ is the only way to heaven? Well, it was Jesus who said Jesus is the only way to heaven. How dare you say that there are, that maleness and femaleness are objective categories of existence? Well, it was God in Genesis 1:27 who said in the beginning, he made male and female. You know, by the way, I ask questions like this. I was at the University of Kentucky Medical School in Louisville to speak and there was a panel discussion on what does it mean to be a human being? And the subject of transgenderism came up and I said, well, 
For example, the pelvic bone is gender specific. Um, a forensic pathologist can tell if a skeleton belonged to a male or a female. If it's a female skeleton based on the pelvic bone alone, they can tell if that female had ever given birth. And I said, so if a person transi transitions, um, if 200 years from now they were to exhume the body, would the pelvic bone be different? Would a former female now have a male pelvic bone? Uh, and whenever you get to um, hard empirical truth, you know, the, the, so many philosophies hit this brick wall called reality. That's when they'll say, you're being hateful, or, or they'll just say, I'm not gonna discuss this with you. I can't reason with you. When in fact, it's, it's the realist that's being rational. Yeah. Um, so the more uh, vehemently someone is opposed to truth or Jesus, I think the, the more we have to uh, be patient and prayerful. And let me just say this, and, and I think only Christians are really gonna understand this, but Mark 9.26 talks about some things are only achieved by fasting and prayer. Mm. And because I, I truly believe that we are a culture in many ways demonized. Transgenderism is satanic, at least on a theological level because- I totally agree with you. See, it's one thing to say, God, you can't tell me how to behave. Transgenderism says, God, you don't even have the right to tell me who I am. Right. Um, it's the ultimate form of moral, ultimate expression of moral relativism. Sure. So I want to encourage churches to fast and pray because- It's a spiritual um, battle. It is a spiritual battle. I mean, prayer is very efficacious, but uh, let me tell you, having fasted for a few things, Mark 9, 26, Jesus said, some demons are only um, abolished and cast out through fasting and prayer. Um, if, if we can rediscover the time-honored Christian virtue of fasting and prayer, I really think it's going to pay dividends for the battle that we're in for our culture. Amen, that's a good word. Now, Alex, you're an apologist, author, speaker. Um, tell our audience, uh, how can they find out more about your ministry and your work and uh, maybe even invite you to their church uh, for a conference? Wow, thank you so much. Well, yeah, my two websites. One is my name, alexmcfarland.com, okay. alexmcfarland.com. The other is viraltruth.com, viral. Truth. Truth. These clubs that we've started with young people, we have middle school and high schoolers and even a few college clubs. We provide biblical worldview talking points. We provide training, kids reaching their friends. But um, my own uh, website, we do a big apologetics conference called Truth for a New Generation. Sometimes we call it TNG. Um, I've, I've written 20 books. I give God the glory for that. Uh, and whether it be uh, events publishing or broadcasting, uh, like yourself, we're doing our utmost to call America and the world back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your latest book. You were just telling me before the oh, recording about uh, the book that just came out. Well, you know, uh, for 14 years, we've done a radio show called Exploring the Word, and we take questions. And two years ago, we did a book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers. And then the publisher wanted a second volume. And so this new one that just came out in the fall of, the official release date is mid-October of 23, but it is in Barnes and Noble, Sam's Club and Amazon already. 100 Bible questions and answers for families. I can't wait to get it. Uh, um, I've got a copy for you. I love it. Uh, and 
uh, you know, uh, people ask about um, the questions. I was going through some files. I've got 500 more different questions from 14 years of live radio. So maybe we'll do some su subsequent volumes. That's awesome. Final question for you. Uh, you have a high view of the church. Uh, the church has historically been called the hope of the world. Uh, Jesus, in fact, called them a, the, you know, his early disciples, uh, a city on a hill. Why do you have such a high view of the church and why does the church of Jesus Christ uh, give you hope for a culture in chaos? Wow, that's a great question. I mean, the longest entity in world history is the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, um, I was, uh, if you've ever been to a Chinese restaurant, you'll see Kiko Man Soy Sauce. That's one of the world's oldest companies, 400 years old. Twining's Tea is uh, 400 years old. Uh, and they're, they're among the handful of the world's oldest companies. But you think about the church, there is the church global, there is the church specific. Uh, that's um, spanning 20 centuries. Uh, it will never go out of existence. That's Matthew 16, 18. And if you're a born again believer and you're part of the family of God, you are to be in a local church. I, I just believe that every Christian, uh, in the, by the way, in the spirit of Hebrews 10, 25, says do not forsake assembling yourselves together. Uh, I wanna encourage people, um, be a part of a church. You know, one of the, the big um, problems sociologists worry about nowadays are the elderly. And in the, the uh, declining years, there's isolation, mental decline. The church uh, provides socialization. The church provides a way to serve. The church is humbling because on Sunday morning as we sit to hear pastors like yourself expound the word of God, the, it's, it's level. Um, young and old, rich and poor, as has been said, uh, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. So, and by the way, I was being interviewed by uh, a Gannett newspaper journalist. He wasn't a Christian. And I, I was prepared. I figured he would be one of these that wanted churches to lose their tax-free status. Do you know uh, the American church in the 50 U.S. states it's estimated somewhere around 350,000 churches that have food pantries, clothes closets, uh, literacy programs, Mother's Morning Out, um, senior adult groups. The church does a minimum of $1 trillion work a year of benevolent work. And this Gannett reporter said to me, he said, no, I, churches should have tax-free status, they more than pay their way, and there's no way that social services could ever fill in the gap if churches weren't there. One, one final thing I've got to say, my mom and dad recommitted their lives to Christ in the mid-80s watching D. James Kennedy. We had a family farm, we were three quarters of a million dollars in debt. Um, mom and dad, we were not walking with the Lord, and they came in one day and they said, uh, my sister and myself, they said, look, you know, we're in financial trouble. We're gonna pray over the checkbook. And I'll never forget my dad, he was a World War II vet, but he said, we, uh, your mother and I have recommitted our life to Jesus Christ. We've been watching a man named James Kennedy. He's wonderful and we don't know what's gonna happen. We might lose the, the farm and we almost did, but we're gonna pray. I saw a change in my mother and dad. It lasted until they both went to heaven. And then shortly after that, I, at 21, accepted Christ myself. But pastor, I wanna say Coral Ridge, 
Uh, I still have VHS tapes of James Kennedy. That's amazing. Um, but I want to say thank you because 37 years ago in rural North Carolina, James Kennedy brought a family back to Christ. That's amazing. And, and we, uh, I am a beneficiary of his ministry. Well, so am I. Uh, I came to uh, faith under his teaching ministry at the age of 14. And so uh, our family are beneficiaries as well. Thank you for your voice and for your leadership, uh, for what you do for the next generation. And so grateful uh, to partner with you uh, for the advancement of the kingdom. God bless you. Brother. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the City of God podcast and this interview with Alex McFarlane. If you are inspired, encouraged by today's episode, we pray that you would pass it along to a family member or a friend who's interested in exploring today's biggest cultural issues all through the lens of God's infallible word. And we will see you next week on the City of God podcast. The City of God podcast is produced by Coral Ridge Ministries and made in partnership with the Institute for Faith and Culture. Visit us at cityofgodpodcast.com to access all of our previous episodes. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or anywhere you get podcasts. A full video version of this podcast is available on YouTube. This is the City of God Podcast, where Christ meets culture.